today on It's Time. In other words, the Sabbath requirement was fulfilled in Christ. Jesus is our rest. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Every Bible likes to invite you to turn over to the book of Galatians as we start a new book. Because here we find Paul, and there's no town named Galatia. It's a region, it's an area, it's a landmass. Paul wrote this around 50 AD. And he wrote it to these churches he was deeply concerned about. And this one book pretty much knocks the wheels off the bus of any cult. Okay? That's why it's important you know it. Because if you don't know God's word, you can begin to believe their lies. Again, the rapture of the church comes. Jesus takes his church home. The world that's left behind is going to be in such a sad way because they have bought into so many bad things. Chapter 1, Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And by the way, friends, that is the foundational truth of any real ministry. The ministry is not by man, it is by God. God is the one who ordains, and he's the foundational footstone of everything and anything in which we do. That's the first thing. He says, all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is always called the Siamese twins in the Bible. Grace is God being good to you, though we don't deserve it. Again, I've shared this many times. It's you extend grace to your children at Christmas time. You don't give them gifts because they've been good all year. You give them gifts because you love them. That's God's grace. Now, without knowing God's grace, that he's going to be good to me, I'll never know the peace of God. The peace of God means God's favor is towards us through Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present age. Now, it says he might deliver us. It doesn't mean that we don't, as Christians, experience heartache, and frustration in our lives. We experience that. A lot of people think, well, once I accept Christ as my Savior, I'm never going to have another problem. No, 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 no. We find it. he's not taking us out of the world. He said he'd take us through it. Now, he says, deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever so be it. Amen. That's the heart of God. Okay? 
Now notice verse 6. Now he, what I think is really amazing is sometimes in Paul's letters, he kind of goes on a chapter or two before he gets to the heart of the matter. He just drops, he just goes right in for it. I marvel, I'm amazed, literally, that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in grace of Christ to a different gospel. Isn't this amazing? Paul is writing and saying, I'm amazed how quickly you've turned your back on the truth. That's what he's saying. Now, what is this that they've turned their back on? Which is not another gospel, so to speak, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort or pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to whom you have received that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. This word cursed is in the Greek anathema. It means may they be condemned to the lowest hell. <laughs> Whoa, pretty strong words. And then he goes on and he says, As we have said before, now so I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what, I, what you have received, let him be accursed. Two times, he says, may they be condemned to the lowest hell. Paul wasn't messing around with bad, funky doctrine that is out there. It was there in these days. It's here today. Now, here's what the problem is. The gospel is simple. The gospel is putting all your faith, hope, in him. As we study in the book of Colossians the last few weeks, as we finish that book, it says we are complete in him. The word complete means filled all the way to the top, no extra room for anything. The reason you and me go to heaven is because Jesus died on the cross for us. We're clothed in his righteousness, the Bible says. What happens in the church at Galatia as we read on, especially when we get up to chapter 3, you're going to see that they began in the Spirit, but then they turned to the flesh for refining. You see, that isn't the way it works. God changes us, again, friends, from the inside out. Now, the minute that anybody adds to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, you know they're lying. So when somebody, when you ask somebody, and by the way, anybody can do this, if you died today, would you go to heaven? It's a very simple answer. Yes, I know I would go to heaven. Why is that? Because I don't go to heaven, you don't go to heaven, based on our what? Performance. God loves good little boys and hates bad little boys, and so if you're a bad little boy, you better watch out. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for us. Not because I joined a, organ, a religious organization, I wear blue, eat organically grown Twinkies, or some other thing. This is the problem that we find in the cults. Now, when you ask somebody that comes to your door in their nice ties and suits, and you say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, some of them don't even believe in heaven. They believe this is heaven here on this earth. Others will say, well, I've done the best I can. See, that isn't good news to me. That's not the gospel. The gospel means good news. Good news is I go to heaven because somebody else paid my ticket, not because I earned it, because I hope I did enough good things. 
Because see, if I die and I stand before the Lord and I'm deficient, it's too late to fix it. God gave you and me everything we need to go to heaven. You see, that's why he sent his own dear son. That's why the Bible says nothing we can add to the blood of Christ. Yet you'll find these different religions do that. Well, you'll only make it into heaven if you do these certain things. Right, you talk to people today. Well, yeah, you're, you know, you've got to accept Christ as your Savior and worship on Saturday. Or you've got to eat organically or no pork. Or They have all these dietary laws. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, period. Always remember that. If you don't get anything else out of today, if you like to forget a lot of things, I forget a lot of things. I need to be reminded a lot. But if you don't get anything else, remember, we go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. Not because I worship on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Some other day, I, 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 I recited mantras. I, I joined the church. I went through all the hoop jumping, all those things. No, we go to heaven simply because Jesus died on the cross. This is what Paul is reinforcing to the church at Galatia. He said, I am amazed in chapter 3 how quickly you have moved away. Why is that? Why, why, why do people do that? I've often wondered that. Something so simple as the gospel, and yet um, there's something within man called pride that likes to say, Look what I did. Look how good I am. I'm so good. I'm better than you. And as long as I'm better than you, I'm good. You see, all of a sudden, it isn't Jesus' standard. As long as I'm better than somebody else, that makes me good. There's something within man in pride that likes to say, look what I did. This is why I believe, again, friends, people are out earning, trying to earn what God's given them. We go to heaven because we prayed and we said, Lord, forgive my sins in Jesus' name. Amen. All the law of requirement in the Old Testament, the Levitical law, the Ten Commandments, all those things were all taken care of and fulfilled in him. Now the question is, are you in him or not? The Ten Commandments, the law of the Old Testament, was never meant to justify a person. It was meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, all the law and the requirements are fulfilled in Him. That's why when Jesus was walking through the field and they were popping kernels of wheat in their mouth, and the Pharisees looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, it's not lawful for you to be harvesting grain on the Sabbath day. Jesus turned and looked at him and said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath requirement was fulfilled in Christ. Jesus is our rest. Always remember that. Because the thing is, if you forget that, the idea of us adding to the blood of Jesus by earning it ourselves or doing something else appeals to the flesh. Really? You mean there's something I can do to be more spiritual? Well, the Bible is very clear here. He simply says, don't allow anyone to preach another gospel to you. Now, I'm amazed. Some of these people that come to your door will actually say, have you heard another testament of Jesus Christ? Have you heard the other gospel? No, the Bible says here, I'm not supposed to even listen to you. Very clear. He says, may they be condemned to the lowest hell. 
That's what the Greek is. It's the word anathema again, and it's pretty strong words. In fact, we go forward up into Corinthians. Paul uses this word again. If anyone does not believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, anathema maranatha. People say, what's that? Well, anathema means may they be condemned to the lowest hell. Maranatha means even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. People say, are you for legalization of marijuana? I said, no, I'm for the legalization of Maranatha. What? You always get a weird look when you say that. Yeah, I'm for the legalization of saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's what I'm looking for. See, it's what we're, where our focus is. And again, if we're trying to manufacture our own holiness, the focus is not on Christ and what he's done for us, but what I am doing. And then have I done enough? And if I haven't done enough, oh, oh man, on judgment day, are we in trouble or what? That's why we can, as Paul says, go boldly into the throne room of grace and make our requests known. Why is that? Because we don't approach God in our goodness. We approach God in the blood of his own dear son. This morning's communion. And uh, we need to understand what, what this is about. You know, I was raised in church. And many years I, I, I had communion and I, I understood the cup represented Jesus' blood. And I thought the bread was kind of, I didn't completely understand that. But I, I, I know it had something to do with that Passover thing when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And so, yeah, I just did that. But you know, when you really start studying what communion is, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he tells us in depth what it's about. The first thing is, the Corinthian church had transformed the communion supper into a party. It was terrible. And Paul writes to him about it. He goes, don't you have houses to drink in and all these different things? And you come to church and he says, it's not for your better, it's for your worse. They forgot what it was. Now, this is what God gave us to remember him by. Now, we all like to remember, we have little memorials in our house. We'll have a picture of our wall when our kids were small or, or something like that. You go downtown and you'll see, a, uh, or out here by the bridge, you'll see a picture of Mr. Perrine with his little derby on, looking at the water. We like to memorialize things. This is the memorial God gave us. Not an 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church or a bronze statue. A special dinner that he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Why is that? Because first of all, the blood of Christ cleanses us from every sin. It's how we approach God, not in our goodness, but in God's goodness already done for us. And the bread, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. The body of Christ is represented in the bread. In fact, Jesus said this. He, he, he picked up the, the, the bread off the table and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Uh, he didn't snap a thumb off and pass his thumb around and say, okay, chew on this a little bit and think about it. No, that's not what he said. He said, it's a likeness. It's bread. Jesus said, I, the, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. He was the manna that was in the Old Testament. They didn't understand what that was all about. But he said, I'm the bread of life. You need bread to live. Peter says, by his stripes we're healed. His body was broken for us. And so when you hold that bread in your hand, you realize 
God has provided a way for us to be healed. Now, you might say, well, I feel fine. No, no, it's talking about our complete healing. We're body, mind, and spirit. These three things, if they're not working together, will cause great trouble in your life. There are people every day across this world that commit suicide with perfect health because their heart is sick. You see? So we need to be a balanced body. God does that. We have our blood. The blood reminds us who we are, cleanses us from sin. Things of the past are gone. You don't have to live in your past any longer. And by the way, don't let anybody else drag your past back up to you as well. They're going into the blood of Christ. And if they do that, the Bible says they're going to act, act, answer directly to God about that. That's why his promises are new every morning. And so we live in this, this promise of, of God's cleansing. And so we have the blood. The second thing we have is a means by which our mind and our soul can be cleansed. It needs to be healed. Our ability to love, our ability to be loved, our memories, our thought patterns, they need to be touched by God too. In fact, because they had turned, the Corinthian church had turned communion into a, a drunken orgy, is what basically it's saying. He said, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you. Why? You didn't realize the medicine that God had for you to be healed, to have your hearts fixed. This morning, if you're, if you're not a Christian, really communion is meaningless because you haven't experienced who God is to have your sins forgiven. So really, any remembrance of him is of no use because you don't know who he is in the first place. But the Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. The purpose for living changes. Purpose for living before we're Christian, I'm doing it. Frank Sinatra said it best. I'm doing it my way. Well, the thing is, you'll still die in your sins. But when we become born again, we're doing it now what? God's way. It's his purpose for our life. It's his design for our life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can say that and mean it. And so then I say, God, open the doors that you want me to go down. And you close those doors you don't want me to go down. And all of a sudden now, instead of us being at the helm of our life, not knowing any idea where we're going, we now have God driving. You see, that's why we can say thy kingdom come. Because we're really saying, God, from now on, I'm living for you. That's what being born again is. The Bible says we pass from death unto life. We turn 180 degrees from the way we were walking, and we're now walking with God's purpose. Now, this morning, if you've never received Christ as Savior, we're going to pray right now. You get right with God, God will change your life. Then we'll have communion, okay? You pray this. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Help me walk in your love every day. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business.
And so, God, I commit my life into your hands. May my life bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that. Welcome to God's family. Start reading your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 3. Be around Christians that love God. We're going to have a baptism here in the next few weeks. I think right now we have eight on the list. If you want to get baptized, let me know and I'll write you down. I'll give you a call when we're going to do it. We'll probably be doing it on a Sunday night here in the next two weeks. And so you come and be baptized. Not as an act of salvation, but an act of obedience. You're saved in Jesus right now. But out of obedience, we do these things. This morning as we have communion, you're welcome to have communion. If you're born again, you've accepted Christ, have communion. Be healed. May God remind you who you are in him. Never forget who you are in him. And if I can have the fellows come forward as we pass these things out. Father, as we pass these elements out, we pray that you would just remind each one of us of the commitment that you've made towards us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for every person that said yes to you this morning, I pray that you just take and wrap your arms around them and squeeze them and let them know that they are loved by the God who made everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.